Well, howdy y'all. Welcome back to another episode of Once Upon a Time in Texas. So, this is actually episode number 39, and this is a, this is a fun one, I think. Uh, I am your host, Michael Mitchell, um, host, bottle washer, head researcher, whatever you want to call me, uh, strange dude, uh, I mean, just whatever. So, uh, boy howdy, we've been getting some rain the last few days, um, well, really just overnight today, but by the time this, uh, this loads up, it'll be the past few days. I've gotten over two inches of rain at my house. <clears throat> so for those of y'all that listen to my podcast uh, from outside of Texas, that's a big deal in our little neck of the woods. Uh, we're in a minor drought, which as we know, minor things tend to turn into major things. And we went through a major drought um, a while back. It ended, I think, 2014, 2015. And uh, it sucked. It was bad. And so anytime we start getting to where we're not getting much rain, we kind of tend to get a little nervous. Um, but yeah, two inches of rain overnight. Um, I think I told you all on a podcast, I don't know, a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago. I was super excited because I got to drive a bulldozer out of my parents' place. Well, as cool as that was, it's going to be really cool to see um, the tanks filled up again out at the ranch. I'm super excited to see that. And so... Uh, Anyway, yeah, two inches of rain overnight. I did overhear a guy this morning complaining that now he was probably going to have to mow his yard through Christmas. <laughs> and I thought, man, you just, you can't keep nobody happy. I thought, well, suck it up, buttercup. Um, I want water in our lakes and tanks again. Like, I don't want our farmers and ranchers having to worry about, you know, water in their livestock um, you know, or any of that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I just, a little bit of rain around here goes a long way, and we sure appreciate it when it comes in, even though I'm going to be out camping this weekend with my son and his troop, and it looks like we're probably going to get some rain, which, you know, bringing home a wet tent really sucks, but, you know, whatever. We're still going to go have a good time. So, you know what? Whatever, if you have to go do a little bit of mowing between now and Christmas, like, all right, you know, I get it. Um, I'm probably just going to make my kids go do it because that's how I roll. <laughs> so anyway, uh, they probably won't appreciate that. But uh, all right, so yeah, uh, here we go. I know a lot of you like myself or, oh, I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to get into that just yet. Guys, this is going to be coming out on Wednesday, October 25th. Now, why is that date important? Well, it's important because early voting is going on here in Texas. Um, get out and vote. Um, voting times like this, when it's mostly just local elections or even state elections, are really not well attended. And so... Um, get out there, go vote. Um, I heard it said very well recently, you know, everybody goes and votes during the presidential election. Cannot argue enough that that's important. Going and voting is your right. It is a civic duty. So you should go do it. Um, but if you're a little tired of the way things are, especially in your town or your county, 
the way you change things is through your local elections. And that's really important to think about. Through your local elections is what really makes the biggest difference in your life. So go out and vote for your city council, county commissioners, local mayors. Um, I've got a couple of guys that listen to this podcast that are running for city council, friends of mine, uh, Michael Badalino and Sam Pack. Unfortunately, they're both running for the same district. Um, but they are friends. Uh, I, I think they're running a good campaign, both of them. Both of them have some great ideas. And, uh, you know, out of the two of y'all running, well, I think there is a third guy, but, you know, one of y'all is going to get it. And uh, one of y'all are going to do a heck of a job. We also locally have four mayoral candidates going on. Um, we've got Carol Murray, who's a local business owner. Uh, Scott Painish, who's a local business owner, Tim Short, who's a local business owner, and uh, and Beverly Ellis. They all came and spoke at our Rotary Club yesterday, and they all presented very well. And uh, to be brutally honest here, I think any one of them would do a great job for us. And so I'm looking forward to seeing how all that turns out. Uh, I know there are some frustrated citizens here in Wichita Falls that are ready to see some things change. Um, they know that we're a little stagnant as a community, but uh, and that's okay. Um, but it's time to make some changes and really start looking at the future of the city of Wichita Falls uh, and our county, you know, Shepherd Air Force Base, uh, Hotter Than Hell 100, uh, Midwestern State University. We've just got lots of cool stuff here. And all of these mayors talked about different things, or mayoral candidates, sorry. They all talked about things that they really wanted to see and do if they become mayor. And I think, honestly, that we are going to be very blessed no matter which one we get. So, uh, anyway, that's my little plug. Um, you know, congratulations and thank you to, I guess, whoever wins those races. A uh, huge thank you to all those that are taking time out of their busy lives and running, especially the mayoral candidates here locally and also the city council um, folks that are running locally. Um, Y'all keep it up. Very inspiring. So thank you, thank you, thank you for what you're doing. All right, so get out there and vote, folks. Go vote. You've got the rest of the week to go do it. Make it happen. It's your duty. Take your kids. Let them see you vote. Let them know how important it is. All right, so there's my shameless plug for getting your butts out there and voting. All right, so let's go ahead and get into our podcast a little bit. I know a lot of y'all, much like myself, are ready to vacation sometimes in faraway places. I have a bunch of places on my bucket list, um, and I know there's no way that I'll ever get to all of them, but, you know, that's okay. Have them on the bucket list, which, little shameless plug, if y'all haven't jumped on my your bucket list Facebook group. You need to go check it out. Um, I'm kind of building that up right now and I'm hoping to really start that in earnest, um, really January of 2024 and be purposeful with that. So go check it out. So, you know, my bucket list, there's tons of places I want to visit. I know I'm not going to get to all of them, but dang it, I want to give it a shot. However, I have managed to find some pretty unique places here in Texas that are truly amazing and remind me of some places abroad. I mean, heck, they're almost like going to the original actual place. So even if you're not planning on leaving the country or our beautiful state anytime soon, 
I put this list together of some of the best Texas destinations to visit, with a little bit of international flair, of course. Before we check out all of these international awesomeness that is right here in our great state. I want to thank our sponsors, of course, as always, me and American Mortgage Company. I know there are tons of people moving to and in Texas uh, and in Oklahoma, too, because you're right next door and I'm licensed there now. But I know a lot of you guys know people out there, too. So let me help them out. You guys know I'm an independent mortgage loan originator. I'm not going to go into all that again. But uh, why not work? with a mortgage broker like I am. We're faster, easier, and cheaper typically. Um, usually we're a lot more fun, at least I am. Why not work with somebody who's fun and makes that process faster, cheaper, and easier? Someone like me. So if you know someone moving to or in Texas or Oklahoma, send them over to me. Send them over to themichaelmitchell.com, T-H-E, michaelmitchell.com. Let me help them out. Remember, when you work with me, I sell dreams, not mortgages. <laughs> so Texas is known um, for basically being unique. Everybody talks about how unique Texas is, whether they really do find it unique or if they're from another state and they go, well, we're unique, so y'all are just annoying. Well, we're annoyingly unique. Um, you know, and so being unique goes without question, but we have quite a few replicas or imposters in our state that come from all over the world. Some of us can't travel the world, but we can visit some of these places in our own state. So here we go. Stonehenge. Yeah. How many of y'all been to Stonehenge? Raise your hand. <laughs> I love it that some of y'all raised your hand. Michael Badalino, I know you probably just raised your hand. Um, <laughs> sorry, brother, got to give you a hard time. Anyway, uh, we have a Stonehenge right here in Texas. Uh, it's located near Ingram, Texas, in the hill country, down kind of around Kerrville. Stonehenge 2 was erected as an amusing art project by the late Al Shepard and his friend and neighbor Doug Hill. Hill had offered a limestone slab to Shepard somewhere around 1989, um, unused in his recently completed back patio. Shepard stood the rock up, you know, kind of monolith style, and then odd thoughts started to seep into his head. He was gripped by what we've observed as a rare but unknown malady, Stonehenge fever. I got this off a website. <laughs> I just love that. Stonehenge fever. Within the next year, Shepard bankrolled Hill to construct plaster and graphite-covered metal mesh and steel frameworks replicating the monstrous stones in England in the middle of Shepard's pasture. Because why not? He opted for a somewhat faithful replica akin to Sam Hill's Stonehenge more than uh, Carhenge or even Fridgehenge, which are some other places around the country. So the finished product is 90% as wide as the original and 60% the height, so it's pretty close. Shepard, then for good measure, adds two 13-foot-tall Easter Island heads a year and a half later. 
after he visited Easter Island. The, head, the heads stand away a respectful distance on either side of the hinge, <laughs> but they're there. So Al planned to add a replica Alaskan totem pole to this, this whole project, but he dies in 1994 in his 70s before realizing that portion of the dream. His nephew, also named Al Shepard, um, now owns the property. It's a self-tourable site with signs explaining the project. And, uh, and I've been there. It's pretty cool. I actually did my internship at the Wyo Ranch Adventure Camp, not too terribly far from Ingram. And I can remember I was on the phone with, uh, with my fiancé at the time, wife now. She was at Oklahoma State, and I was doing my internship down there. And I remember I was driving from Kerrville back out to the Wyo, and uh, I went, what the hell? And she said, what? And I said, there's Stonehenge out here. And she's like, you're an idiot. And I was like, well, you're not wrong, but it, it is. It's Stonehenge. And so anyway, I would have taken pictures with my phone and sent them to her, but we couldn't do that then because we had flip phones. Um, yeah, this was a while back. Anyway, so when she came down to visit me, I had to take her by Stonehenge and show her. But what's also kind of cool and, and fun is right there around somewhere, and I forget what the little town is, there's, there's a place that's dammed up. And so right there close to the dam, somebody owned some property and they put in a gas station and a grocery store and something else. And anyway, it's the damn grocery store, the damn gas station, <laughs> the damn everything. And so they have these huge signs labeling everything. It's so funny. So there you go. If you make it down to the uh, Kerrville area, you can slip on out to Ingram and check out Stonehenge 2 and the Easter Island Heads. And they really are. They're just kind of out in the middle of a pasture. All right. So next, you know, vineyards. I mean, traveling to Italy and walking through the vineyards like Keanu Reeves in the movie A Walk in the Clouds sounds great, but it also, to me, sounds expensive. And so why go all the way to Italy when you can do it in several places around the state? I know there's vineyards kind of all over the state here, but I've been to some down around Fredericksburg, which is just gorgeous in the spring. Uh, we even have a vineyard here in Wichita Falls. Uh, actually, one of the mayoral candidates, um, Scott Painish, and his family own that vineyard. And uh, it's, it's pretty cool. He does events out there really regularly. I've hosted some events out there um, for our Backdoor Theater Improv Troupe. Anyway, it's great fun. It's worth going and checking out. So go check out your local vineyard. Support your local Texas wineries. Um, you know, Texas beer and Texas wineries are starting to grow. So check them out. So what about going to the Sahara Desert? Um, this one didn't really grab me too much. I don't know why anybody would voluntarily want to go to the desert, but I guess it is a sight to see. But if you can't make it all the way there, why not just go on out to the uh, Monahan's Sandhills State? Uh, excuse me, I got the hiccups. Monahan's Sandhills State Park near Monahan's, Texas. It's a 3,840 acre state park of sand dunes in Warden Winkler County. It's about half an hour's drive southwest of Odessa. The park did open in 1957. Um, some of the history I pulled from their website says early Native Americans were present in this area as far back as 12,000 years ago. Golly, I've got the hiccups. I'm sorry, guys. 
Various tribes, most notably Apache and Comanche, used the area for temporary campgrounds and a meeting place. They found game, abundant fresh water beneath the sands, and acorns and mesquite beans, which they ground into a paste with stone tools. <coughs> More than 400 years ago, Spanish explorers were the first U Europeans to report the vast hills of St. Gosh, dang it. Native Americans continued to use the area until the 1880s, and that's when the Texas and Pacific Railroad selected Monahans as a water stop between the Pecos River and the town of Big Spring. In the late 1920s, oil production began in what is now known as the Permian Basin. Today, Monahans is kind of a shopping hub for the more than 800 square miles of oil and cattle country. We'll have to pause this for a second, see if I can get rid of these hiccups. I'll be right back. Hoo-wee. All right. Well, that took a little longer than I thought it should, but gosh sakes. That was about 15 minutes of me going and doing other things, but... Whew. <coughs> I think I finally got rid of the hiccups. <laughs> All right. Let's keep moving along on this. So, uh, the Taj Mahal in India. Um, that's a long way to go, but... I did find there is a Hindu temple right outside of Houston in Sugarland um, called BAPS or BAPS Sri Swaminarayan Mandir. I'm probably saying that completely wrong. So if I have any folks from India uh, or Indian descent that are listening to this, I'm so sorry. I know I'm mutilating this. But uh, the Mandir is a place of worship and prayer. This came from their website. It's a place of worship and prayer for followers of Hinduism. The structure itself is built according to the uh, Shilpa Shastra, a collection of architectural treatises that have been an integral part of Indian architecture and engineering for thousands of years. The sacred images and ceremonies of worship in the Mandir form a very core in elevating the soul to the pinnacle of God realization according to the Hindu philosophy. Um, Shwaminarian Mandirs worldwide fulfill the ancient lofty concept of the Hindu tradition of the Mandirs. So I probably just screwed up, I'm pretty sure 100% of, uh, of how you say that. And again, for those of y'all that know that, I'm so sorry. Um, but what I'll say is I looked it up, and this is a cool-looking place. This is a really cool-looking place. Um, so if, I'm ever, if I ever find myself in Houston again, I think I might like to cruise on out to Sugarland and check it out. See what it looks like. Oktoberfest. Oktoberfest is the next one. Going to Germany and participating in an Oktoberfest, pretty tough to do. But you know what? We've got one in a bunch of cities around the state because we do have a very heavy German influence in Texas as well. Uh, one of the places close to us is in Munster, Texas, but they do have Oktoberfest celebrations in New Braunfels and Fredericksburg um, and tons of other German towns around the state. And so uh, I've been to the one out in Munster. My family and I always screw it up. We call it Munsterfest instead of Oktoberfest. But uh, it's great. It's fantastic. I mean, and we're talking about beer and lederhosen all over the place. It's just awesome. 
So, uh, yeah, go check out an Oktoberfest. Don't have to go all the way to Germany to do that. You can just head on up to the little town of Munster, Texas, or any other German town close to you, because a lot of them do have Oktoberfest. All right, so Tanzania. Tanzania over in Africa is another cool place to visit. has tons of large African animals. I'm actually hoping that someday uh, a friend of mine who's a minister here he has a very good friend that is running a Methodist church um, in that area. And he's actually talking about taking a trip over there. And I told him, I said, well, brother, I will help carry your luggage and tag along. <laughs> so we'll see if it works out. But if you can't make it all the way there, well, guess what? Fossil Rim Wildlife Center in Glen Rose, Texas has you covered. Directly from their website, it says Fossil Rim Wildlife Center is a not-for-profit 501c3 entity specializing in captive breeding programs for indigenous and exotic endangered and threatened species. That sounds like a pretty lofty goal, but I've heard about this place and I haven't been yet and I really want to go. But they do have self-guided, public-guided, and private-guided tours of the place. And man, I got to tell you what. It's just such a cool place. Like, y'all, I can't even get into it right now. Like, you just need to go check out their website. That looks so cool. And uh, uh, Glen Rose is only about a couple hours south of where I live right now. It's a it's a beautiful area. Beautiful area. And uh, I think Dinosaur Valley State Park is right there, close to there. And then they've also got uh, some pretty cool stuff happening in Granbury, which is not far from Glen Rose either. All right, so let's talk about a few international towns. You know, if you want to go to good old gay Paris and see the Eiffel Tower and you can't afford it, that's fine. We have Paris, Texas. Perhaps the most well-known European city is Paris. But we have a Paris in Texas. Located in Lamar County, it is just east of where I live. And so, uh, in this case, northeast of Dallas-Fort Worth area, it was naturally named, of course, for the city in France. The town received its name from one of the founders, uh, George W. Wright, uh, one of his employees, a guy named Thomas Potit. And so, incorporated in 1845, Paris thrived for decades due to railroading coming through. The Texas State Historical Association reports that by the early 1900s, Paris was also the seat for over 90 churches of various denominations and faith. Um, the city does, in fact, have its own Eiffel Tower replica. It was erected in 1993, and of course, being Texas, they put a cowboy hat on top of it in 1999, because why not? Uh, Paris's city website explains that. They talk a little bit about the cowboy hat on top, because we have to make it our own. The structure itself stands 65 feet tall, and the cowboy hat is three and a half feet in size. It's, it's pretty good size. And so while not as big as the Eiffel Tower, the original one, it's still pretty dang cool to see. So if y'all make it to Paris, Texas, go check it out. Next one, Dublin, Texas which is nicknamed the Irish capital of Texas. And this is what the, the central Texas city calls itself. I've been to Dublin too. It's a very cool town. Okay. 
So uh, Governor Rick Perry actually called it the Irish capital of Texas uh, back in 2005, and it's kind of stuck. So according to the Dublin Chamber of Commerce, among the attractions in the city are several museums, including the Dublin Rodeo Heritage Museum, which has historical ties to Hollywood Western star Gene Autry. Among other notable names attached to the city is golf legend Ben Hogan, uh, one of only five pro golfers to win all four major golf championships. Um, he lived in Dublin as a child, and uh, the city's Ben Hogan Museum pays tribute to Hogan, who died in 1997. There are other cool things to do there. Uh, there is a Dublin Dr. Pepper plant. I believe it's still open. Um, I'm fairly certain um, they still used glass bottles and real cane sugar for their Dr. Pepper. So that was a big deal. People used to drive from here down to Dublin all the time just to get real Dr. Peppers, they called it. Um, they also host an annual Hispanic Heritage Festival, which is kind of weird, I guess. You would think that Dublin would have an Irish Heritage Festival, but no, Hispanic Heritage. So, I don't know. It is located in Erath County, not Earth County, but Erath, E-R-A-T-H. And uh, it's about 150 miles away from Austin. It's a cool little town. If you get a chance to go check it out, please do. Ah, oh, the next one. Let's go to Greece. Athens, specifically. But nay, nay, I do not have the money or time to go to Athens, Greece. But Athens, Texas. They boast a sizable claim and may have some backing to prove it. They are called the home of the hamburger. <laughs> which makes me laugh. Uh, if y'all have never seen the, uh, oh my gosh, I just drew a blank, Steve Martin bit from the Pink Panther where they're trying to teach him how to say hamburger. <laughs> that is too funny. So go check it out. Anyway, Athens, Texas is gorgeous. Um, they've actually got a beautiful Boy Scout camp over there that I've been to a couple of times for training. The late resident Fletcher Davis, also known as Uncle Fletch, is one of a few who lay claim to the invention of America's favorite meal. So Texas Monthly explains it's believed by many, including the Dallas Morning News columnist Frank X. Tolbert, who investigated the claim in the 70s, that Davis first began serving burgers in his Athens cafe before they came to prominence at the 1904 World's Fair in St. Louis. So, apparently it's a long story, and there are lots of other people who claim, um, you know, in other cities that claim to have invented the first hamburger. Um, but, you know, there's a, a lot of historical evidence exists that could serve as proof that Athens, with a population of around 12,000, 13,000, hold the claim to being home of the first hamburger. So there you go. Um, again, we go back to Italy with Naples. It's not just a picturesque coastal city. No, no. It's a little town in Morris County in Northeast Texas. Among the city's signature attractions is its annual Naples Watermelon Festival and Rodeo, because it wouldn't be Texas without having a rodeo. Um, Naples is a quiet community 
now, but used to thrive. It began to lose a lot of businesses when the interstate bypassed it about eight miles to the north. So Naples is around 1,400 residents as of 2020, and uh, it's pretty much stayed the same for the previous decade or two. Um, the city's highest census record was in 1980 when it had a little over 1,900 residents. Um, so anyway, but that's pretty cool. Check it out. They've got a big watermelon festival and rodeo, or rodeo as they say it out in California. So, all right, here we jump to another one. Our good friends from Russia, we have Moscow, Texas. You won't find the Kremlin in this unincorporated Polk County community, which is about 170 residents as of 2000. I found some information on the Handbook of Texas, which is a great resource, by the way. It explains that founders David and Matilda Green originally submitted the name Greenville as the town's name, but it was rejected, probably because another town already had it. According to the Texas State Historical Association, while the lumbering and agricultural business originally drew a population of around 228 in 1900, growth slowed once business did. So the town did have a weekly newspaper called the East Texas Pinery, in addition to a reportedly renowned school called the Moscow Masonic Male and Female Academy. I am going to look that up at some point and, uh, and check that out. A former Texas governor uh, was born in Moscow in 1917. A William P., and I believe it's pronounced Hobie, H-O-B-B-Y. I do not believe it's Hobby. Um, but anyway, he was born there, and there is an airport named after him in Houston. Moscow is about 90 miles northeast of Houston. Um, we also have towns of London, Edinburgh, and Florence. And uh, we're running a little short on time or a little long on time, however you want to look at it. And I've got some other cool ones. So we do have London, Edinburgh, or Edinburgh, um, and Florence. Uh, Palestine, Texas, spelled Palestine, but people call it Palestine. Um, is in the Piney Woods area, kind of in East Texas. Um, they've got lots of cool stuff, but what I remember most about it is they do have the Texas State Railroad, or Texas State Historic Railroad, I don't remember. And it goes from Palestine to Rusk. It's a great ride. It's like going and riding the Silverton in Durango, only flatter. <laughs> and so uh, we went and rode it years ago, and it was really cool. Because um, my daughter's name is Lorelai. We'd never met anybody else named Lorelai. And we met a little girl because some people were yelling for Lorelai. And I'm like, why are these people yelling for my daughter? And uh, I was about to throw a whooping when I realized they were talking to their daughter. And she even spelled it the same way, which is kind of cool. So yeah, Palestine or Palestine, Texas. Go check it out. And the last one that I've got for you here is Egypt. Egypt, Texas, is an hour southwest of Houston. Um, this town is still recovering from the ravages of Hurricane Harvey. Um, let's see, the Egypt Plantation, which predates the Civil War, is still operational and is open for group tours. Um, so, yeah, and I did not look and see what kind of plantation they have. I assume it's probably cotton or something like that. 
so yeah there you go there's some pretty cool places let's go back through a few of those uh let me scroll back up here so paris dublin athens naples moscow london edinburgh florence palestine and egypt and then we've got a few others so texas contains 254 counties which is a bunch thousands of cities and towns so i've just pulled out a couple of interesting ones and so uh but it's not always easy coming up with a name so um so there are several so there's one like welcome to oatmeal texas there's a ding dong texas apparently and then there's also a place called cool texas there's another few names that i wrote down that i thought were kind of cool salty happy cut and shoot hoop and holler bigfoot noodle smiley eureka utopia jot em down tarzan gun barrel city nimrod hog eye nameless fairy and dime box <laughs> so you know what if you can't think up a you know a regular name just go with something it kind of makes you wonder where dime box come came from so there you guys go. There's some interesting uh, places here in Texas with a little bit of international flair. So what do y'all think? What other weird or off-the-wall stuff have you heard about Texas want me to talk about? Help me out. I'm always needing material. Um, I want to thank our sponsors again, me and American Mortgage Company. Keep in mind, if you know someone moving to Texas or in Texas and or Oklahoma, send them my way. Send them over to themichaelmitchell.com. T-H-E, MichaelMitchell.com. And remember, I sell dreams, not mortgages. Love making people laugh and uh, help them get homes of their own. So there you go. Go check me out at Your Bucket List. Um, I also have a Facebook page and group for Once Upon a Time in Texas. Check me out there. Thank you all again for tuning in to episode number 39 of Once Upon a Time in Texas. And as always, remember, the stars at night are big and bright, deep in the heart of Texas. Y'all have a great week.